Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome, folks. Welcome to a very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I'm very excited about today's episode. I have a feeling it's going to be a special one. Uh, My guest today is someone special, someone I adore, and I think is just full of profound wisdom, especially in our times today, in light of everything that's going on on the planet right now uh, with chaos and crisis and change. uh, I think that her message, her teachings will serve as a guidepost to help us navigate our internal inner domain and experience. And everything starts from the inside. She's the best-selling author and co-creator of the powerful inner bonding self-healing process. Um, Author of the book, Healing Your Aloneness, This was a book I read many years ago before I even got to meet her, and she's even more amazing in person. Welcome to Soul Talk, Dr. Margaret Paul. Thank you so much, Coot. It's great to have you back. Great to have you here. Great to be back. Great to connect. Uh, You popped into my mind the other day, and that's when I'm like, I need to reach out to her, and we need to have her back and go deeper uh, and explore, explore some themes, explore some topics. And so... Um, I just, look, I want to dive straight into things Um, and I want to just extract some of your wisdom. There is a lot happening right now on the planet. Uh, There's been a lot happening for the last few years since the first time we we did this. And a lot of folks are going through a lot, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of, you know, internal trauma is I think being activated for a lot of folks. Um, when you see the world, when you observe the world and the planet, what can you share with us? What guidance can you give us on <clears throat> how someone who is feeling emotionally just challenged, you know, on a daily basis, when they switch on the news, they're bombarded with fear and recession and this and instability. Like, what can someone, especially if they're a sensitive person, right? What can they, like, how do they navigate this time? And how do they find some sense of peace within themselves during this this intense time on the planet? You know, I, I believe that what's mm. happening on our planet, it's been going on for quite a while, this sort of polarization mm. where the, the dark is getting darker, but the light is also getting lighter. And it's a time for each of us to really make a choice as to what is our highest priority. Because what I see is that the darkness is coming from an intention to control. It's coming from greed and a desire 
to have control over getting what they want, regardless mm -hmm. of the consequences. And, you know, I, I deal mostly with individuals, people in relationships, and this really affects every single relationship, because as soon as the intention is to control, then there is no way to resolve conflict. And there is nothing but anxiety and stress. And in the inner bonding process I teach, um, there's only two intentions. And the other intention is to learn, is to learn about loving yourself, learn about loving others, learn about sharing love. And so I think that we're all being challenged right now to really make a deep decision as to who are we? Who do we want to be? Do mm. we want to be this greedy, controlling person who's basically also self-abandoning, self-rejecting? Because one mm -hmm. of the things that I see over and over again is that as people don't decide to take responsibility for their own feelings, their own well-being, their own health, um, they're abandoning themselves, they're rejecting themselves. And then what happens is that gets projected out onto mm. other people mm. and it gets projected out in their relationships. It gets projected out with all the, the problems in our society, with violence, with racism, with misogyny. All of these different problems are people who are basically intent on controlling others and abandoning themselves. And then they project that basic self-loathing because if they're abandoning themselves, they're, they're hating themselves, they project it out onto others. So what, what I have found with me during this time, mm. because I mean, you know, <clears throat> going on on the planet is horrific, but my intention is to take 100% responsibility for my own feelings mm. and to learn to connect with that higher source of love and, and truth and wisdom that is here for all of us. And really, that is the thing that, uh, that helps anxiety and depression that so many people are suffering from. Now, that's the thing that helps the most. It's, it's not going to come from outside of ourselves. It mm. has to come from inside. It has to come from our intention to learn to be loving to ourselves, to learn to share our love with others, and to learn to connect with that higher source that we're actually, we're actually born with the ability to do that. But so many people learn not to, learn to disconnect. We have to reconnect. We have to reconnect with ourselves and we have to reconnect with our higher guidance and reconnect with each other. We have to find that sense of oneness. That's what's gonna bring us the peace we need. Mm. Um, if someone's wondering, well, how the hell do I reconnect with myself? Like uh, I feel disconnected and so much of the world kind of promotes that disconnection, you know, media, TV, advertising. You know, it's like, it doesn't want us to be connected to ourselves. It feels like that way because yeah. the less we are connected to ourselves, the more we can be controlled and manipulated and, you know, yeah. advertising sets in. And so how does someone even begin to start connecting to themselves. So that's actually step one of inner bonding, which is to um, learn to move out of mind focus and into body focus. We all learn to get into our mind to avoid our feelings <clears throat> as we were growing up because most of us couldn't handle the pain that we had as we were growing up. And so we learn to stay in our head 
but our feelings are in our body, who we are, our soul, that part of our soul is in our body and often communicates through feelings. And so learning to go from the head down into the heart and soul and be connected with what's going on inside rather than use all of our addictions and ways to control to avoid our feelings is what needs to happen. And so what I help people do is just use their breath to go inside their body and just scan their body and notice, notice physical sensations because our feelings often show up physically like tension or, you know, a tight gut or constricted heart, whatever. And, And these are emotions that are coming out physically. And it's like, if you have a baby and you want to be a loving parent, you don't just put the baby in a crib and go out to lunch. (laughs) You have a baby monitor on so that as soon as the baby cries, you can attend. Well, I call this having your inner baby monitor on. You are listening for your feelings so that you can attend because our feelings are informational. They're, They're not there for no reason. Our feelings such as anxiety and depression and guilt and shame and anger and aloneness and emptiness are all telling us that we're rejecting ourselves. We're abandoning ourselves in some way. And our feelings of of life, like the painful feelings of loneliness and grief and heartbreak and helplessness over other people and events are letting us know that there's something we need to attend to externally. So they're either letting us know that we need internal attention or external attention. But if we're shut off from our feelings because we're in our head or we're numbing out with various addictions or junk food, I mean, junk food, you know, is a big deal because it, it's, it's disconnecting people. You know, there, there's, there's the brain and the gut. And, and when the gut is so out of balance due to sugar and, and junk food and fast food, it's all disconnected. And that, and the toxins from the bad bacteria go up into the brain and it causes us to discount ourselves, to, to have all kinds of brain symptoms, to not trust ourselves, to disconnect from our guidance. It's dumbing people down. Mm. It's, uh, it's, it, you know, it's a big issue. So part of loving yourself is to feed yourself well uh-huh. and, to, and to create health in your body. And, and that also enables you to connect with your higher guidance because that has to do with your frequency. And mm. there's two major things that connect you to your spiritual guidance. And one is the frequency of your body. If it's full of junk, the frequency is too low. And the other is the intention to learn about love that raises the frequency and it makes it very easy. I work with people who have never been able to connect. They may have have been religious, but they've never been able to access two-way communication, what I call at-will divine connection. Mm. And when they start to eat well and they open to learning, wow, it's right there for them. It's there for us. Mm. And so we need to connect with ourselves, our feelings, and our body. And we need to want responsibility for that, for learning what we're doing that's causing so much pain and learning what's happening in the world that we may be reactive to and learning from our higher guidance, what's loving to us and what's true, 
because we're coming from so many false beliefs and we're believing so much stuff out there and there's mm. so many lies going on. How are we going to know what's true? Mm. I know what's true because I go to my guidance. I don't listen to what's out there. I listen here and I can always get what's true. And everybody has that ability if they learn how to do that. Got mm. mm. it. Why, like, why is it that we sometimes, what have you found that we sometimes know what to do? Okay, I should eat, yeah, I know I shouldn't eat this junk food right now because it's going to mess me up for like days or, or hours, right? I guess, why do we keep doing things to ourselves? Knowing, like, we know, like, I know I shouldn't do this drug. I know I shouldn't, you know, yet we do it. Knowingly, knowing that it's going to cause harm. Is there something you found as to why we do that? Yes. And, and, and is the, like, how, how does someone really shift that self, you know, like a sabotaging right. pattern? Yeah. So most of the time, what I have found when people are basically in resistance or procrastination to do what they know would be loving to themselves, but they're not doing it. Most of the time, I found that they had one or two very controlling parents. Oh. And they had to comply in a lot of ways, but they found little ways to resist. Like maybe they didn't get toilet trained, or maybe they were always late. They were always dawdling, or they wouldn't learn, or they <clears throat> wouldn't go to school. They found little ways they, mm. they 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 wouldn't do their homework they found little ways that would drive the parents crazy well what mm. happens as we're growing up is we absorb what we call the ego wounded self that that um you know part of us that absorbed all the false beliefs we absorb our parents or caregivers ego wounded selves into our wounded self so we've got a voice that mm. says I should do this, or I, like you hold up the phone and say, I shouldn't do this. Okay, that's a controlling voice. That's the voice we absorbed. Then at the same time, we have another wounded part of us that learned to resist <clears throat> the world. And so it's an internal power struggle on the wounded ego level, where the controlling part says, you should eat well. You shouldn't eat that junk. You shouldn't be on your cell phone all the time. And the other part goes, you're not the boss of me. I don't have to do what you say and goes into complete resistance. And what mm. happens is you get immobilized. One mm. part is, is kind of pulling you to do this, do this. And the other part is saying, no, I don't want to be controlled. I don't have to do what you say. And it, it, it creates that resistance and procrastination. And the way out of that yes. is, well, this is what I teach. I teach people how to, how to develop the new neural pathways in their higher brain for what we call the loving adult. And the loving adult is who we are when we can connect with our higher source and we can take loving action for ourselves. Mm. And so like anything worth learning, it takes practice. Um, you know, I teach the six steps of inner bonding, though, when people practice those six steps, they develop the new neural pathways for the loving adult. And what happens then 
is instead of this wounded part saying, do this, you got to do this. And the bird saying, you can't make me. We go to a higher place actually in our brain. Mm. And we say, what do I want? Not what do I have to do? Because as soon mm. as we go to have to, we're going to resist. Mm. But if we go to want to, do I want, like I want to be really healthy. It's really important to me to be really healthy. And it's really important to me to <laughs> um, connect with my higher guidance, which I'm not going to be able to do if I eat junk. Mm. So I want to eat well. It's not even hard at this point. I used to be so addicted to all that sugar and stuff, but because I want to be healthy and because I want to have my vitality and I want to connect to my guidance, it's not a have to, it's a want to. And as soon as it's a want to, you're playing a different game. I often tell people there's like two game boards. Let's say mm. this one is the one. This is the one that's saying, you have to do this. You shouldn't do that. You must do that. And then the other part saying, uh-uh, you can't make me. This game board is one of personal power. Mm. This is where we tune into what's really loving to ourselves and what we really want. And we have the ability to take action because we've developed those new neural pathways in the brain for mm. loving action for ourselves. It, we, we've gone to a different game board. We're not operating in that same internal power struggle that creates the procrastination and the resistance. Mm. And I've, I've just seen people over and over again, like last month I gave a five-day intensive and there was somebody on there who had so much therapy about her resistance. She's been trying to write a book and she's very creative and to do, and she just was stuck and mm. we dealt with it mm. and she was able to reach above it. And the very next week <clears> she, <throat> I was, I've been writing my book. I've been doing my painting. I've been, I mean, she was released from the internal power struggle mm. and mm. anybody can learn to do that. Mm. Would you share maybe another step of this in a bonding process? Should I say that again? Could you share another step oh, in, oh, yeah. in a, in, yeah, in a bonding process? The six steps. Yeah. Could, could you, could you go through yeah, the six yeah, steps? Yeah, yeah. So you shared step, step one. one. Yeah. Step one is getting present in your body with your mm -hmm. feelings and wanting responsibility for them. And then step two is we breathe into our heart mm. and we consciously choose to open to learning about what about the false beliefs and how we're treating ourselves and what would be true and what would be loving. That's what we want to learn about. So I have a and, quick question yeah. before we go to step two, present to the body, tune into the body. What right. if someone says, yeah, you know, Margaret, but when I, when I tune into my body, all I feel is pain. It's too painful to connect to my body. But now you're asking me to like jump into the fire. And I, I just, it's, it, it, it's more painful to go into my body. Yes, but you see, they're, they're, they're operating under a false belief. They think that it's old pain. They think if they go into their body, they're going to be dealing with all this pain from the past that they don't want mm -hmm. to deal with, but it's mm -hmm. not. It's happening right now because they're abandoning themselves. It's a mm. circular thing. The more they abandon themselves, the more pain they're in. The more pain they're in, the more they abandon themselves. The pain is coming from self-rejection. Mm. And so they don't want the pain. They're going to have to learn to love themselves. Mm. 
Got it. So present in the body, breathe into the heart. Yeah, breathe into the heart and, and consciously open to learning. And I teach people, if they don't have their own spiritual connection, I teach them to imagine an older, wiser part of themselves, like 500 years older, who loves and adores them. And it doesn't matter what they imagine, but as long as they're open to learning and they invite in the love and the compassion and the strength and the wisdom and the courage of spirit, I just say, say to yourself, I invite in your love and compassion, your strength, your wisdom, your courage into my heart. And we become, for that moment, a loving adult. That's step two. Then step three, we go back into the feelings. And let's say they're feeling overwhelming anxiety. And they go back into the feeling. And now they're curious. Hmm. And it's like having a conversation with a very anxious child. And they're saying, what am I telling you? from my wounded self. What am I telling you? How am I treating you? What am I doing or not doing? What am I doing? What am I saying? Now, what's happening out there? But how am I treating you, this inner mm. child, this soul self, that's causing your anxiety or your depression or your guilt or whatever the pain is? And then we go in and we allow the answer to come from the pain itself, from the anxiety or the depression. Now, if you imagine that that's an inner child, that child might not trust you to say anything to you. Mm. you might need to do the work of really being an adult first. But most of the time when I work with people, mm. what happens is the child says, you don't listen to me. You don't know I'm here. Mm. You ignore me. You take care of everybody else except me. Everything mm. else is more important to you than me. That's what usually comes out. So if an actual child, if you asked an actual child, why are you anxious? The child said, you don't pay any attention to me. You ignore me. I don't exist for you. Mm. You take care of all those other kids, but I, I, I don't, you don't even know I'm here. Of course, the child's going to be anxious or depressed. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're finding out how we're treating ourselves. And then we go a little deeper into that ego wounded part, because that's the part that's, that's doing it. That's the part that's telling the inner child, you're not good enough. What's the matter with you? You better not make a mistake. That person has to like you or you're not okay. You better perform. You got to lose weight. You got to look better. You, I mean, that, that constant judgments and, and numbing out. We go a little deeper and we ask that part, why are you doing this? What are you trying to control or avoid or protect against? Those are the questions we're asking that part of us that's abandoning us, mm. abandoning us by making others responsible for us, being mm. a victim, numbing out with all you know drugs and alcohol and food and television and pornography and all the things that people do to yes. numb out and ignoring, staying in the head, judging all those judgments. And we're going into why, what are you trying to control or avoid or protect against? Now we're going to, that's where we come upon the false beliefs because that's where 
the wound itself might say, well, um, I've got to judge you to get you to do things right. Right, right. And if you do things right and you do them perfectly, then other people will like you and then you'll be okay. Mm. See, it's that kind of false belief that our our, uh, being okay is dependent on other people valuing us rather mm. than actually learn to value our learning to value ourselves which is mm-hmm. part of the inner bonding process learning to see and value ourselves so that we don't have to try and control everybody to see us but we're going to come across many false beliefs about what we think we have to do to be okay or mm. to not feel pain and all of these are causing limitation and pain mm-hmm. And once we understand some of this, then we go to step four. And step four is, I tell people like, visualize being in this beautiful place in nature, um, sitting at a picnic table with your older, wiser self. And um, ask, okay, is it true that if I do everything right, then I can control everybody liking me? Is that true? Mm. We ask about these beliefs. Mm-hmm. Is it true that I'm not good enough? Here I am, a spark of the divine. My soul is a spark of the divine. How can I not be good enough? Mm-hmm. But the wound itself says, oh, because you didn't get love when you were growing up, you're not good enough. And so we're asking, what is the truth about these beliefs? And we're asking, what is the loving action? What is in my highest good? What actions do I need to take? for my inner child, my soul, to start to feel seen and loved and valued by me. Mm. That's step four. And so it's essential that we learn to connect with that guidance. And then step five is we take the action. Mm. And it could be things. It could be, you know, stop drinking, stop smoking, um, stop caretaking your partner, start telling the truth change jobs, go back to school. I mean, it could be so many things. I mean, I know you, I know from reading everything you've written, Coot, that you listen to your guidance and you follow your guidance. And, and so I, I find your work so inspiring because you you listen, you, you tune in and you follow it. And you've got so many great examples of what happens when you follow your guidance. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is about. It's about learning mm-hmm. to listen and then take those actions. Mm-hmm. And then step six is you tune back in. And if you have taken a loving action, you are going to feel some relief. Mm. Something I want you to clarify um, around the feeling. Like, if someone questions themselves, then they say, well, okay, I know that what I believe, like I'm unworthy. I know it's, you know, I know it's not fact. I, I understand. It's not the fact. But I still freaking feel this way. You know, I know, I know, I'm, I know I'm logically I'm not unworthy. And I know I'm not unlovable. But I sure as hell feel this way. Yeah. What, what what now? Okay, so that's a very good question, and I'm glad you asked it because that that level of shame, I'm not mm-hmm. good enough, is very connected 
to the desire to control. Because mm. when we were young and we weren't getting the love we needed, we only had two ways of seeing that. Either we recognized that our parents were incapable of loving us, and mm. that would have been, we might have died if we would have recognized that. Or we say, well, it's my fault. The reason I'm not being loved is it's my fault because I'm not good enough. And the minute we decide that, that's the basis of that ego wounded self. The minute we decide it's my fault, we do that because it gives us a feeling of control. You see, mm -hmm. if I'm not good enough, then I can figure out how to be good enough. And that'll give me control over how people feel about me. So there's an investment right. in the ego wounded self to mm -hmm. keep that core shame belief that I'm not good enough. Because if we accept that we are and we're a spark of divine, then we have to accept being helpless over others. And in, we, in that case, our parents, right? In, in parents or even life. Today. Right. right. Life but but you're, so, so you're saying if, if I make it about me or, or not being good enough, then in a strange way, I, we feel some kind of control to make myself good enough. If I can right. make myself good enough by having a better body, having nicer hair, have bigger car, then I can have some control. Because right. if it's not about me, then I have no control. But if it's about me, maybe I have some control. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. And one of the hardest feelings in life that people want to do anything to avoid is feeling helpless. Because when we were infants we were helpless over ourselves and we were helpless over others and if somebody didn't come when we cried we would have died and so the feeling of helplessness gets connected with a life or death feeling today we're not infants we're not helpless over ourselves but we're still helpless over others and we don't want to know that and the controlling behavior Yes. It's about not knowing that mm. and keeping that core shame belief of I'm not good enough is about that control. Mm. Mm. Comes down to control. Yes. It, does. It, 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 you know, I hope folks are really taking that in because it really breaks down why we control so much yeah. and why it can feel so hard to let go of control right. in, in reality, you know, mm -hmm. um, so, so is part of healing or someone's evolutionary process, do we have to come to the place where we accept that our parents were not capable? Yeah. Is, is, right. is, is, that, is that a necessary part of the process of like accepting my parents were not capable of giving me that love? What, that what I, I needed. We're what not I needed. capable of giving me what I needed. They did the best they could. I mean, my parents did the best they could, but there is no way they could see me. They couldn't see me at all because they couldn't see themselves. Mm. They were completely self-abandoned. They did the best they could, but there is no way that I got seen or valued for who I am. And there's nothing, there was nothing I could do about it. Right, right, right. But there is something today. I can become the ideal mom and dad. 
Right. <laughs> That's what it's about. I can become the ideal mom and dad to myself now. Yes. Yes. You know, I have a question that I would like you to clarify around this, this notion of they did the best they could. Yeah. I subscribe to it. I do. Um, but sometimes it does seem as though people knew better. Like that guy or girl who, you know, constantly cheats on their wife. And then they, or, or they did that thing. And they knew better. Is it, is it always true that they did the best they could? Is that always a thing? Because sometimes I'm like, dude, you know, you know better than that. And you're still doing this shit. You know better than that. You're still doing it. it yeah, but they don't know better how to handle their feelings. That's the problem. Right. They're, Speak they're to that. Using sex addictively. They're using affairs addictively because right. they don't know how to handle their feelings. Yeah. They may intellectually know that cheating on their partner is not yeah. a loving thing to do, but they don't know better how to handle Emotional, it. right. Or it could be screaming or going out of control, whatever the, whatever the behavior is, they don't know how to emotionally handle it. That's right. They don't know how to handle it because who learned to do that? Mm. You know, I had no role models for people to handle their feelings at all. Mm -hmm. They either withdrew, they shut down, they drank, they yelled. I mean, but there was no role modeling for mm -hmm. how to manage feelings, especially the, the painful feelings of life, the heartbreak, the grief, the helplessness over people, the loneliness. Who, who learned how to handle those feelings? Nobody learned. And I teach people now how to handle their core feelings, those core painful feelings, so that they don't have to act out. But until mm -hmm. they learn to do that, they may know different, but they're still going to act out. And then there's another issue, which... I don't know whether this is reality or not, but I think that we come into life mm. at different soul levels. I do believe in reincarnation and mm. I believe some people have had many lifetimes and some people have had very few lifetimes. Mm. So they may intellectually mm. know better, but if they, if they're young souls, they just can't do it. They're just mm. not there yet. And if they're old souls, they can learn to, they, you know, then you see they take in the information differently. Mm. They utilize it. Mm. And so when I look at my parents, for example, I came into life as a very sensitive, compassionate, empathic little girl. Mm -hmm. And they were <clears throat> narcissistic. So they had no empathy, no compassion. Now they could intellectually know something, but yes. they couldn't do it. They I couldn't could, embody it. They, yeah. yeah, yeah, they couldn't bond. They couldn't see me. I could feel their feelings. They couldn't feel mine. And so they might have wanted to, but they couldn't. They just couldn't. Mm -hmm. Now this is going to be a, not really a tangent, but I think I don't know. I'm something here, so I'm going to go with it. Healers right? Healers, therapists, gurus. Okay. We, we could mention names from the past. You, you okay. probably are on a track of, you know, know who some of the folks. Enlightened beings, right? Who have awakened 
give shaktipan, give healings. Yet, they seem to do some shit. And, you know, devotees want to justify, but I'm like, that still ain't right what they're doing. And usually with the smoke, there's there's, this supply of it. And, you know, in the last few years, people like John of God and different people have, have been you know, put in prison, have faced consequences. Um, I'm curious about your thoughts connected to that in terms of where is responsibility in terms of like even recently, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, since this is not a scripted interview, uh, like a few weeks ago, the Dalai Lama, you I know, know I was, 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 you know, and who knows what happened, what didn't, and his intention and tradition. And I want to think that there was no malice there. He was just, but, 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 you know, asking a kid to stick their tongue out, just, you know, it just, just and I'm sure there's other guru, gurus that have done oh, yeah. really bad stuff, you know, yeah. that we know about that. That's yeah. legit. It, it's real. It has happened. And then you have the Dalai Lama that, okay, you know, Stick your tongue out, suck my tongue, he says to this kid. Well, I'm like, he should kind of know better than that. That that just doesn't seem right. And people, you know, defend him saying, he's just been a Dalai Lama and he's just being childish. But if that was my kid, I would have a bit of an issue with him doing that to my kid. So why doesn't he know better? And he's enlightened, supposedly. So, like, what's the deal? Speak to that. Well, Help I, us I, understand, I, make I, sense I, of that. Yeah, I... I don't know what went on. I don't know if he has some dementia. I don't That's know what's what I going. thought. Yeah. But speak to us about the whole kind of, you know, spiritual context and enlightened folks yeah. doing stuff that they technically should know better, but then they're doing the stuff that doesn't add up. And is there anything you can say, any explanation you have for that? Because I think many folks come into spirituality with an innocence and deep trust in people like you, me, gurus, teachers, and I, it really saddens me when I see really well-intended people who are sincerely seeking get taken advantage of or, or, or you know, disappointed in some way or, or miss, you know, treated in some way. So I'm curious on your thoughts. Yeah, you know, my experience, and I've had quite a few experiences because some of these people have mm. actually been my clients. Mm. And it's really obvious to me mm. that they they've done a spiritual bypass. The teachers. Yes. Mm. That mm. they've they've gone to mm. spirit. They they can connect to spirit, but they they use that to avoid a deeper yes. level of inner work. Mm. And you can't do that. You you can't avoid the deeper level of work and be in complete integrity with mm-hmm. what you're teaching and what you're doing. I mean, I've been doing, I've been working on myself since I was a teenager and had so much different forms of therapy. It wasn't until interbonding that I actually started making progress. I've been practicing this process for 38 years now. Wow. It's like, it's like peeling an infinite onion. It's, I, it, I don't think there's an end to it because I think we are very complex beings. And just yesterday, I discovered something that I hadn't really realized wow. that is huge for me. Mm. 
And I'm delighted that I discovered it because now I can do something with it. But to me, it's an ongoing process. It doesn't stop just because you have, you know, a wonderful spiritual experience or you feel enlightened or you get a sense of oneness or, you know, you understand all that. You still have that. um, You still have the beliefs. You still have unhealed areas in you that don't just get healed because you become so spiritually connected. Mm. And so to me, I tell people, don't think about getting there. Just do the work, just continue to do the work. And if ever you feel anything other than fullness and peace inside, do a six-step inner bonding process. That's what lets you know it's time to do the work you feel something other than peace and fullness. And I've seen over and over with these guru people that they haven't done, they haven't yeah. done that level of work. They just don't yeah. do it. Yeah. The bypass, I think you're so right about the bypass factor. Yeah. That it's, it's so important to really be embodied and integrate on all levels. There's no avoiding while we're in the human body doing the work. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I want you to just touch on forgiveness. And because you said something like, okay, if we understand that our parents were incapable or, or somebody is incapable, that, that they were doing the best that they can do. And let's say someone comes to the point where they're, they're able to, 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 to forgive another person. I realize that my dad, that Joe, they didn't mean it. They, they just weren't capable of giving me what I needed. So where is that? discernment or line around forgiveness, like to, to, to forgive the person, but the person still did some things to, to them. Right. And, and so how does someone navigate that, that in life, in reality, in, in terms of, like, what does real forgiveness look like in that case? Let's say somebody, I'll, I'll pick a kind of challenging mo- like example just to make it obvious. Somebody whose father sexually abused them in, in some way. Like, how, what does forgiveness look, look like? How do they forgive? And maybe their father or that person is still toxic. So how do I forgive? Do I just... You know, I I find forgiveness to be a fairly complex issue. I don't Uh think it's an easy issue. Yes. For me, it has to start with Mm self-forgiveness. To go, you know, to be doing the work. We've all abandoned ourselves. We've all let ourselves down. We've all done things we're not proud of. And we have to reach a point where we can forgive ourselves. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, n- n- either not knowing any better or, you know, being caught up in an addiction or whatever. I mean, I've certainly done things that I'm not proud of and I wish I hadn't have done, but I've had to forgive myself because that's where I was. I didn't know any better at the time. I really didn't. Yeah. So if I would have, I would have done it differently. I found with me that the more I forgave myself, the easier it was to forgive my parents. Mm. Um, and I was able to forgive them before they died, which I was very happy to be able to do. It didn't mean that I got them off the hook. 
I mean, right. it's, it's not that you condone <clears throat> anything. It's not a matter of condoning. But forgiveness is something we do for ourselves, really. It's much more for us. Mm. I don't like to carry resentment in my body. I don't want to carry blame. It's not good for me to do that. And it puts me in a victim state. So being able to forgive them was a relief for me mm. to move that anger and resentment out of my body and offer that to them. And I reached a point with my mother, who was a raging narcissist, where I could, uh, where I saw that she was two years old. I was older than her, and I could hold her like a baby, which she had never been held, and rock her and soothe her and feel compassion for her, even though she would never be able to do that for me. And that felt that felt empowering to me, mm. really empowering to me. And my father was sexually abusive with me. Mm. And I recognize he was very wounded mm. because he had been sexually abused and he just found rationalizations as ways to deal with it. Mm. And I was able to forgive him for that as well. Mm. But that was for me, much more for me mm. than for them because I don't want to carry that. Like... Did you continue to have a, a, a relationship with your father or let's say someone, is it necessary for them to have a relationship with their father in order for them to forgive them? No, they don't have to. If the, if the person is really toxic, then it's not. Let's say the person is not even toxic, but they've done something. They're not necessarily acknowledging it. And I am forgiving this person, but they just, they're in denial of anything that happened. Yeah. Can you have, can you forgive and have a relationship? Is it necessary? It's, it's, it's just whatever feels loving to you. It's Got it. right or wrong or good or bad or necessary or not. It's mm. just each person has to go in and see what feels loving to them. If it feels loving to not have the relationship with them, forgive mm. them from a distance, that's fine. If it feels like they want to continue to have contact, that's fine. It's it. There's no rules with this. Mm -hmm. Each person has the right to decide what's in their highest good, what's loving to them. Beautiful. I love, I like that. Whatever feels loving to you. Yeah. I think that that's a really, that's a beautiful point. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. With, yeah. with my father, Kud, I mean, it was, yeah. He just never got, I confronted him. You did. Uh, I yeah, I was going to ask what happened. I confronted him and he had all kinds of reasons, excuses. Well, he read about an Indian tribe where the fathers initiated daughters into sex. And I mean, it was, he just rationalized the whole thing. And, and I had to stay away from him from the time I was 12. And mm -hmm. I couldn't bring friends over because he would, I mean, I mean, all mm. my friends knew that my father was sexually abusive, that they had to stay away mm. from him. Mm. And but he couldn't get it. He couldn't get it. It, it. For whatever was going on with him, he was a very intelligent man, graduated Cornell University. He could not take that in. And one of the things that was so heartbreaking for me that I had to re-forgive him for was when he was dying and I went to be with him and he was on a bed and I went to hug mm. him 
And he said, oh, sweetheart, I wish I could make love to you. My 93-year-old dying father is saying that to me. Mm. How, how, how do you forgive your, like, can you, how did you forgive your father for that? Like, what, I'm curious, like, what, what goes on inside of you to get to the point to forgive him again? I just saw him as a very young soul. Mm. He just mm. couldn't get it. He, he, just, he, it, he was not capable, even though he was very intelligent and very well read. But on that level, that level, he could not get it. And so I just had to accept that my parents were very young souls. And it's hard mm -hmm. when you come in as an older soul and a sensitive person to be growing up with. And I was an only child, so I was the one that got all of it. It's hard, you know, mm -hmm. to to mm -hmm. think you're OK when you're so very different than the people in your life. And that was a lot of the work that I had to do mm. to come to that and to recognize they just couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. They were incapable. No, they were not of giving you, they were not capable. Yeah. That's and deep. Were, or even getting what I was trying. I mean, they, <laughs> I remember my parents came to one of my workshops. Wow. They did. They came to one of my workshops <clears throat> and they were like, so clueless they had no no understanding at all of what i was doing they just couldn't get it wow <laughs> did they stay the whole weekend the whole time the they stayed the weekend and they, <laughs> and they said oh we're proud of you i mean they never expects they never expressed being proud of me but oh we're proud of you but we don't understand any of it i mean they admitted mm. they didn't understand any of it mm. Mm. They just couldn't get it. Mm. For the person that, um, final few questions here, but for the person that might feel a bit lonely in the world, yeah. you know, um, feeling like their parents don't get them or life people don't get them, I, I would love to hear your thoughts for someone who's feeling a bit lonely right now. What, what did they, what advice do you have for them? What I suggest people do, and this is what I do, because I go through that loneliness, mm. is, um, I mean, I'll show you the process that I use that has been very effective for me. Yeah. And that is, first of all, you have to name the feeling. Lots of mm. times people, they feel bad, but they don't know that they're feeling lonely. So you have to name the feeling. And what I do is I put my hands in my heart mm. and I connect to my higher spirit and I bring that love in. And I talk to my inner child and I say to her, honey, I know that you're feeling, you're feeling very lonely right now. You know, there's just not a lot of people who are going to connect to you or, you know, feel <clears throat> comfortable. And of course you're lonely, but I want you to know that you're not alone. I'm here mm -hmm. and spirits here and we are being held in love right now. And it's okay. There's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with you for feeling lonely. And I'm going to stay with you. I'm not going to avoid the feeling. I'm not going to numb the feeling. I'm not going to do anything to make the feeling go away. <clears throat> I'm going to hold you. Spirit's going to hold us. And I will stay with you until you're ready to release it. And you know mm -hmm. what? It doesn't take very long. 
maybe five or 10 minutes and I can feel it moving through and I give it to God and I say, I give this to you. I ask mm -hmm. for peace and acceptance in return. And I feel that coming into my body. It's an mm -hmm. acceptance of the reality of that kind of loneliness in life for those of us, especially that are doing this kind of work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. I love the part about connecting to source yeah. first as a way to bring that energy into, yeah, bring the energy in. Yeah, yeah because I, I don't believe that we, we don't generate love and compassion. We yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. That, that I think is, an, is such an important thing because many times we may not feel that within ourselves, but when we can open to it and connect to it and allow it to sort of come through us, Right. Uh, there's an opening. That's right. And there's a healing. Yes. And they come again in a half an hour, I'll do it again. But th th there's a healing. Same thing with grief. You know, grief mm -hmm. comes in waves. You open to it. You name it. You hold it. You let that feeling know that, it, that you're not going to leave it alone. You're not going to abandon this feeling. Mm -hmm. And it moves through. And then it may come again in an hour. And you do it each time. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Well, Margaret, this has been a... A beautiful conversation. We've we've kind of covered a lot of different territory yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, you know, folks, Mar Dr. Margaret Paul, she's someone who's she's been on the path a while. How many years now have you been teaching and uh, sharing? I know, I've been teaching for 54 years. 50 folks, just 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 so, so you know who we're speaking to, to today. She's a legend. Yeah. Um, so humble, so real. 54 years she's been teaching. 54 years she's been teaching, and today often. You know, folks pick up a, a book like two months ago when they're coaches. Now, this is a woman who's been teaching for 54 years. There's levels, there's levels to the game. And so, and do you still, are you still inspired? Do you still find inspiration? Oh, yeah. oh, and, and, yeah. how, and how after 54 years, I guess this is my final question. How after 54 years do you maintain feeling inspired about this work? Because I know this work works. I love that it works. I love helping people. I always have. I always will. I have no desire to retire. I'm 83 years old, Coot. I have wow, no desire wow, to retire. Wow. And I, I, I just, I, you know, the way I do my work is I sit and I always say to my guidance, just do it through me. Just bring through me whatever this person needs. I just become a channel for that. Mm. And I feel privileged be able to do that, to be able to offer that. Mm. So I don't imagine myself not wanting to do it. Amazing. You're an inspiration, really. Uh, from when I read your book uh, the first time to then meeting you, you were, you were as real and so warm in person, which was so amazing to feel. So thank you for coming on again. Uh, where is the best website, the best links that people can find you and your work? Yeah, innerbonding.com. Just go to innerbonding.com. We have a free course. Um, I'm going to be giving um, an eight-week course on, online soon. I do. I mean, there's a whole lot of ways of learning inner bonding with the books and courses and many, many ways of learning inner bonding. They can get it at innerbonding.com. Awesome. Folks, we're going to put all of uh, Dr. Margaret Paul's links in the show notes. So check out her work there. It's a real it's authentic and full of wisdom. And as you can, as you can see, she has some profound knowledge to share. So 
check out her link in the show notes, connect with her, connect with her work, connect with her books. Um, and also we're going to put the, the first uh, interview that I did with her in the show notes as well, where we can dive deeper as well. So folks, it's been great. Dr. Margaret, thank you for coming on. Great to see oh, you again. You. No, Sending you. I love and I love being interviewed you. by you because you do such a great job. Sending you so much love. Folks, share this interview with anyone and everyone in your life that you love. Write me an email, Coop Blackson at coopblackson.com. I want to hear your key takeaways from today's special episode. Make sure you check out the first interview as well in the show notes. I think it will uh, fill in some things as well. Until next week, love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.